If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And as you're turning there, I, I, there is one announcement that I, I want to make before we jump into our message this morning. And uh, that is a, a cause that we are going to be giving towards in the month of December. Uh, we, there's a foundation called the Hara by Grace Foundation. And, um, and it was started by the Arellano family. Uh, Brother Juan uh, and Roberto Arellano were missionaries in, uh, in Mexico for, I want to say, at least 28 years, maybe a little bit more than that. And the Lord called them both home within a month. They are their brothers. Uh, the one on top, Brother Juan, is uh, actually older. The one on the right is older. And the one on the left. Uh, and uh, the Lord called them home basically about a month apart. Uh, last year in uh, March and April of 2022, and, um, and this foundation was uh, started in honor of them. It is a foundation that helps pastors' children. They are, uh, were pastors' children. Their dad was a pastor. They were second-generation pastors, and uh, this foundation uh, is, is to help uh, pastors' kids that are in Bible college, that are uh, feeling called to the ministry, preparing themselves for full-time ministry. And, uh, and Bible college in, in Mexico is just like Bible college here. It costs money. It's not free. And uh, many of these uh, uh, Bible college students uh, are not able to finish just because of the financial limitations that there are. In fact, I just talked to a uh, Spanish pastor down in Mexico uh, about two weeks ago. He was here in the area. We went out to eat. And he was telling me that, at least at his church and the, the churches that are in his circles, that most pastors, if you're, if you're making good money, if your church is giving you a good salary, you're making about 1000 a month. Uh, and if you're just getting enough to live by, he says it's about $800 a month, about $200 a week. Uh, so you can imagine if they have kids, if they have, uh, obviously, light still, there's a light bill, there's a water bill, uh, there's taxes to pay. And so after all of that, to try to have your son or daughter in Bible college is very difficult. In this photo, every one of those kids that you see is a child of a pastor, is a son or a daughter of a pastor. And, and so what this foundation uh, does is it tries to give scholarships to as many of those kids as possible. Uh, there are requirements, obviously, to meet but what we want to do is give towards that foundation, and on December 10th, in three weeks, we're going to have a special offering where we're going to be able to do that, and, and just know that we're going to be impacting the lives of, uh, of, of people there in Mexico that are serving God, people that are trying to be a light in the place that God has uh, led them to be, and, uh, and so the, by Grace Foundation... Uh, it's, it's the Jara. The reason it's Jara, J-A-R-A, is uh, Juan, um, Juan Arellano and Roberto Arellano. Uh, it's, it's their foundation, a memory of them. And, and so December 10th, we're going to be giving a one-time offering to help with that. Last year, uh, they were able to um, collect $1,600, and that gave two out of that whole group uh, scholarships for their uh, studies. And this year, the goal is to double that. And so uh, we're looking to raise $3,500, and I think as a church, we can be a part of that and do our very best to uh, add and maybe help them meet that goal. 
and Lord willing, exceed that goal. I'd like to get it to at least four to four to five thousand. Okay, and so if we can do that, if we can sacrifice, we we every year we we we've done this where we give our gift to Jesus, and I want that to be this year for us, giving this gift uh, for the kingdom and for God's servants. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Connected with that, we've ordered these little uh, coin folders for our kids program. So every kid is going to receive one of these in our children's ministry. And uh, it's got 40 slots for quarters. And at the end, you have $10. And every uh, filled uh, folder is also going to be going to this foundation. And, uh, and so every one of us, not just us here in the sanctuary as adults, but our children's ministry is going to be participating and in investing in that which is e- e- eternal. And um, you know, in, in Psalm 116, the Bible says, precious are the feet of those that take the gospel. And uh, Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 17 and 18 say the same. And, and we just want to do our very best to give to that cause. And so in three weeks, we're going to be doing that. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be seeing some videos and we'll be seeing, of course, uh, more pictures of those. These uh, last two pictures are uh, the two students that received the scholarship last year. But man, I'd like to see more uh, students be able to receive that as, uh, as a result of our generous giving. And, uh, and so we've got a, a lot to be thankful for. We've been blessed, and uh, we ought to be a blessing. And so in, in three weeks, we're going to be doing that. So I hope you'll be praying about how much God lays on your heart to give for this, for this wonderful cause. First Peter chapter number three, we're going to continue our study. And this is going to be our last message for, uh, for the next couple months. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be jumping into a Christmas series, and then in the uh, month of January, we'll be revealing our new theme for the year. This year, our theme was reaching, and, uh, and we're going to be, talk- be talking a little bit about that next month, about what we were able to reach as a church. Uh, but then in January, I'll be revealing and bringing a special message on the new theme for 2024. And, uh, and then in February, we'll pick right back up here in this study of 1 Peter. Uh, I know that when we go through these books, it uh, usually is a study of months, not, not a study of just one or two or three messages. And I think we've already been in this for maybe two months at least, at least eight weeks or so of messages, and we're about halfway through the book. But uh, hopefully it's been uh, something that's been a help uh, to you, but we'll be picking it up in February. So... This will be the last message for, for about eight weeks or so. First Peter chapter number three and verse number seven. <clears throat> We're only going to be studying one verse this morning. I wish that could mean that it's going to be a short message, but you know what? Uh, It may be a little bit longer. I don't know. We'll we'll see, but we're just going to study and focus on one verse this morning, verse number seven. It says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, last uh, two weeks ago, the last time we studied this book, we studied in verse number one through six how the institution that God established of the home has been attacked. It's been attacked and maligned in today's world, and. Uh, and, and even in the time that Peter is writing this letter, the home was attacked and maligned. And so he's sharing with these Christians that are in different parts of the world 
uh, how to uh, make sure that they are building a home that honors God. And, and uh, he specifically addresses the wives on how to act and how to live out their hope in a home where their husband is not saved. And so we learned a few principles that we could apply in our life to help in those kinds of situations. But when you get to verse number seven now, Peter directs himself to the husbands. Now, God's oldest institution by which he receives ultimate glory is the home. The home is actually older than government. The home is actually older than the church. It's the oldest institution that God has established. And he established this institution so that as a result of a good home, he could receive glory and honor that his power might be displayed. Now, in chapter 2, in verse number 12, we learn that this whole section about our hope in government, our hope and our work, our hope in our home, have everything to do with God's glory, with displaying the hope that we have in Christ to others, sharing that with others. And so here in verse number 7, Peter continues that thought, this idea of the home, this institution that God has given to bring glory to his name, to show his power to those that are outside of the home, to those that see what a Christian family is and how they live. And so it is within this context of the home that our relationship with God is best illustrated and understood. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, he uh, Paul, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, says, you know, the relationship we have with God is like the relationship of a husband and a wife. The church is the bride of Christ, and, and uh, Jesus is uh, the figurehead. He is the head of the church, and, and he is the head of that. And just like there is a head of the church, there's a head in the home. And, and the best relationship that describes or illustrates our relationship with Christ is the marriage relationship. That's why it is sacred. That's why it is something to be upheld and honored. Uh, we, we live in a society that uh, we're at a point where marriage is kind of optional. There's a lot of young couples that say, well, let's just live together for a while, see if it's going to work out, and if not, we can just bail. Both of us, you go your way, I'll go my way. And, and they've taken all the sanctity out of marriage as if it's something like a, a contract that is just ceremonial or traditional or or something that is just what we have to do, but there's really no big meaning behind it. In fact, I remember in the late 90s and the early 2000s, a show like Friends. Uh, and many of you have seen the show Friends. It's funny. It's got some comedy in it. But uh, if you'll remember that there's weddings in that uh, in that show, and, and they, they, they take it so lightly. They, they get one of the friends to just get ordained online, and he's the one that's going to perform the marriage, and it's kind, of, it's kind of almost thought of as something silly. Yeah, you, you do it. It's nice. It's more for the pictures. It's more for the fellowship and friends, but, but very little of the emphasis on what it means. So Peter here is saying the home is important because it gives God's glory. It displays his power, and so he begins to challenge the husbands. Because as the husband, you are the head of your home. You provide the direction in which your home will be going. You, you provide the, the potential for the power that will be seen in, in your home, of the power of God and the glory of God. In fact, the key to making 
a home bring glory to God is the husband leading the home right. I heard about a couple that was wanting to go hunting and they had read together that if they go hunting, they can spend time there in nature and they can strengthen their marriage. And, and they thought, you know what, we, we need to do that. We want to work on our marriage. Let's get it strengthened. And, and so in that article, uh, they said, well, be sure, you know, you, you get a good hunting dog. If you're going to go hunting with your spouse, it's good to spend time, get a good hunting dog. And so they went and got a, a, a German a short-haired pointer like that, and it's a good hunting dog for ducks. And they thought, we're, we're going to do this. Let's go and let's, let's spend some time in nature together. Let's take our dog and let's go duck hunting. And, and so they went. They bought their dog. They went out. And they were out there all day. Saw a ton of ducks, but weren't able to kill not even one. And so as the sun was starting to go down, The husband looked at their wife and said, honey, we've been out here all day. We have the right hunting dog. We have the right gear. We're wearing the camel that we're supposed to be wearing, but we haven't been able to get even one duck. We must be doing something wrong. His wife looked at him and she said, well, I don't know, but maybe if you throw the dog even higher, this time we'll catch one of those ducks. (laughs) You know, sometimes I feel that as Christians in our home, we we, want to have a home that brings glory to God, but we want to do it our own way. Oh, we got the right tools and we dress the right way, but we're throwing a dog up instead of using a gun. We have no no way to show God's power. We have no way of bringing glory to God because the home's not functioning as the home ought to function. And can I say that the first one to blame for that is the husband? Husbands, you are the leader of your home. You are the head of your home. And so that's why Peter, in verse number 7, brings into focus the husband and how he's to lead the home. How he's to be the example if God's going to receive glory. If others are going to see the hope that is within us, then the father needs to act as a father. If the home's going to function the right way, then the husband needs to lead the right way. So I want to share quickly this morning three ways that a husband must lead his home to bring glory to God, to show God's power to those outside of his home. There are are three ways that Peter in this verse teaches us to lead. I want you to notice if you're taking notes, first of all, that the husband must lead by understanding his wife. Verse 7 says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. And we are to live with our wives in a way by which we are understanding towards them. Uh, the, The word here is the Greek word gnosis, and it means knowledge that signifies general intelligence. A more deeper, perfect, and enlarged knowledge of religion, of of, uh, of the person to which we are speaking with or living with. It's, uh, it can be used as a word which signifies things that are lawful or unlawful for Christians or a right kind of living. When Peter says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to 
knowledge what, what he's talking about. He's not just talking about scientific knowledge. He's not just talking about um, uh, knowing the difference between colors or how to count up to 100. What, what he's talking about is knowing them and having understanding towards them. Now, to do this, husbands, we must begin by knowing God's word. That word is used all throughout the New Testament for knowing God's word, knowing God's principles, the truth of, of what God teaches in his word. And so Peter is simply saying, husbands, the first thing, if you're going to lead your home right, if it's going to bring any kind of glory, if it's going to share any kind of God's power with others, you must understand that you lead by understanding your wife. This begins with knowing God's word. Now, I have found that as a husband, there's a lot of things to know. When I became a husband, I found out shortly thereafter that I got to know how to fix sinks and toilets and leaks, showers. I've had to change car batteries, which I did not know how to do before. I need to learn how to change car tires and program garage doors so they open when you press a button. I've had to learn how to make a bed properly with all the pillows fluffed and the, uh, the comforter looking nice and unwrinkled. I've had to learn to iron all kinds of clothes with cotton or silk or whatever it's made out of. I I've had uh, to learn how to wipe down tables and chairs after I've eaten. I've had to learn how to uh, stop doors from squeaking by spraying, you know, WD-40 on, on the hinges and uh, change batteries in smoke detectors because they're beeping every 30 seconds when the battery's running out. I've, I've had to learn that. I've had to learn how to put furniture together, right? You, you order something on Amazon and then you got to take it out and then you have to uh, put it all together. I've, I've had to do that since I, I never did that before I was married, never. You learn these things as a husband, but... The most important thing that you can learn isn't about sinks and showers. It's really not about cars and batteries. It's not even about furniture and beds. The most important thing that we must learn as husbands is the Word of God. We ought to read it, memorize it, teach it, and live it out in our daily lives. As husbands, we are the one that should be learning about God. That should be soaking in God's word in our life. You see, knowing God's word allows us to make choices that improve our home life. It allows us to make choices that bring God's blessings into our home. When we know God's word, then God can begin to speak to us and we begin to see the world in a much clearer way. It's not as foggy, it's not as, as much of a world where we're so lost in what to do, but in fact, what begins to happen, it begins to bring clarity and focus into our, into our life. In fact, Paul, the apostle, a man that was able to do miracles, a man that was able to uh, be a light everywhere he went, said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, I put it in your notes, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul, all his life, I just want to know him more. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe it is, 
Apostle Paul had an out-of-body experience. Actually, I think it's chapter 11, but he had this experience. He said, I don't know if I was awake or if it was a dream, if I was in just having a vision, but he went all the way up to the third heaven. That is heaven where God abides. And he says, I saw things that I don't know how to describe. I heard things that words would not do justice to, so I can't write about them. And yet, even after that experience, he says, but I want to know him more. See, a, a husband that is going to lead their home right is a husband that wants and desires to know God's word. If we're going to have any kind of understanding towards our wife, it starts with knowing what God says. But notice, not only does that word talk about knowing God's word, God's principles, but also it connects with having a clear and active communication. Having understanding in the home can only be done by great communication. Now, if I said, for most people here, that would be gibberish, right? You'd be like, what are you talking about? But that's actually words I'm saying. It's in the language of Tagalog. That's the Filipino language. It's the only phrase I know. And the phrase literally means I understand a little bit of Tagalog, which I don't. I just know the phrase. Now, I'm talking, I'm speaking a language, but we're not communicating. In order to communicate, somebody needs to have some understanding. Now, there are many homes, many Christian homes that they have a lot of talking, but very little communicating. Sometimes we think if I just talk a little bit louder, then they'll understand me. Maybe if I just go a little higher in my pitch or in my tone, then they're going to understand me. And the wife takes that approach and the husband takes that approach. And you know what you find? Miscommunication. The word, according to knowledge, that word has not only knowing God's word, but has understanding of communication. Communication requires understanding, receiving, answering. This means, husbands, we have to take time to listen, to respond, to take time with one another. In one of the commentaries I was reading by Warren Wiersbe, who was a a preacher in the 80s and 90s, he, he, he says in one of the studies, and I don't know what study it is, but one of the studies that he was using Uh, when he was studying this passage uh, that was taken, and this was 80s or 90s, that on average, on a server that they took, that couples spent about 37 minutes a week in communication. Now, if that was done in the 80s or 90s, let me just tell you, life is twice as fast as it today as it was back then. So I don't know what the average time for a couple today is in a week. Can I say it ought to be your priority as a husband to say, I need to spend time with my wife. I need to understand her. A husband that is too busy to communicate with his wife is not leading their home in a God-honoring way. Before long, that home will break apart. I don't need to go through statistics to see the truth of that. So I'll simply just say, 
Husbands, you need to lead by according to knowledge, Peter says. That means knowing God's word, but also understanding, communicating with your wife. Take time to communicate then. Have coffee together. Do a devotional together. Go out on dates or share with one another your, your hopes and dreams. But have time where you're, where you're making a life together. We don't have time this morning, but maybe in your, in your, in your off time throughout this week, you can, you can read a little bit more. Acts chapter 18, I put it there in your notes, of this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. A couple that Paul met in the city of Corinth and uh, they had left Jerusalem because of the, of the uh, persecution that was happening to Christians, and they met Paul there in the city of Corinth. And from then on, you find them together discipling others, together serving with Paul, giving of what God had blessed them with. You, you see them together throughout Paul's journeys. In many letters, Paul says, hey, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, say hi. They're still with me. They're still serving. They're serving together. I, I think if there was a, a couple in the Bible that I would want to emulate in my life and imitate in my marriage, it would be Aquila and Priscilla. They had the priority of this. Hey, w- we need to know God and let's serve God. They were communicating with one another. I can't imagine that they were going uh, from place to place with Paul where uh, Priscilla was just always complaining. I don't foresee that, that, that Aquila was always complaining and, 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 and murmuring against Paul. And, and where are you taking us now? What are you doing now? You're, you're going to put us to do that? We, we got to take care of the kids. Why? Because we're the only married ones here? That didn't happen. With joy, they were serving. We find that in their marriage, there was that understanding. Peter says, if you're going to lead your home right, Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. That requires you to know God's word. Be a person, a student of God's word. Read Christian books and read your Bible. Read articles that'll, that'll help you to grow and understand better what the Bible says. And secondly, understand them. That means having communication, spend time with them. What it means to understand. Number two, quickly, time is going by. If we're going to lead right, we must honor our wives. He says, he continues writing, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. A husband is to honor his wife in their relationship. The word honor here is the Greek word taimi, which literally means value. In other words, husbands are to value their wives. They're to hold them in high regard, view them as something precious. Let me ask your husband this morning, how do you view your wife? Is she someone that is special to you? Someone you value? Let me ask this, because most husbands are probably like me. Yeah, I value her, of course, yeah. I'm the best husband there is. I even have a mug that says, world's best husband. But if I were to ask her, do you feel valued by your husband? Would she be as confident as you are saying that, yes, she's precious to me? In other words, it's more than just words. 
when it comes to that relationship of marriage. It's more than just saying, uh, you're precious to me on Valentine's Day. Giving honor to our wives, having them held in high regard means that we must not be domineering and bullying our wives. When Peter wrote this, that was the culture. The wife had no rights. Now, if they were way on the right, we are in a culture that's way on the left. There's no limitations, right? Peter is not saying that we ought to be way on the right, where we are domineering and bullying. In fact, he he uses a phrase as unto the weaker vessel. This phrase here uh, means that she is weaker, the wife is weaker, not morally, not intellectually, but physically. Now, this is a fact. I know this is in the culture that is way left as we are in today. There's commercials that say, anything you can do, I can do better, right? And I know if you watch ESPN enough, you would, you would think that they're, uh, they're just as good in every sport as any of the men are. And factually, they're not as strong. They're not as fast. One of the things that people, if you've been watching the news at all, are finding is that uh, these uh, these uh, transgender athletes that are men that want to identify as a woman, uh, a woman, which is impossible, by the way, but they're getting into women's sports and they're dominating the sport. Why? Because they're physically stronger. That's just how God created and made us. So when Peter says, as unto the weaker vessel, that's what he's talking about, physically. Now, here's the thing, that in, in that world and in today's world, there's a code that us men have sometimes, right? We respect the one that's going to stand up and fight. Even if, even if they beat you up, hey, at least he stood up. Man, that, guy, that guy earned my respect, we would say. But notice that Peter's not saying here that you ought to respect that weaker vessel because she's standing up to you and fighting. In fact, he's not, he's not saying that at all. He's saying that we ought not to treat her that way, in fact. Though she might be physically weaker than we are, we are not to treat her in a domineering way because of that. In fact, Proverbs 31, verse 10 says, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of of her life. Man, let me tell you, if you have a wife like that, lucky. You're blessed. You're blessed. A wife in which you can trust, a a wife that is excellent. The Bible says you ought to value that more than you value the gold in your bank account because it's worth more. Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. Well, just look at the marriages in Hollywood. They have all the money in the world. Very few happy marriages. In fact, well, it's not a message for that, but just look at the divorce rates. You can Google it. All I'm simply saying is that the Bible says that if we're going to lead our homes right, husbands, we are to honor our wives. We're to honor them. Not dominate or bully them but 
we are to recognize who they are in Christ. Peter writes, and as, becoming, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. You know, women are co-heirs with us in salvation. Just because they're physically weaker does not mean that they are inferior to us. They're equal in God's eyes. They have just as much ability to know God and walk with God as we do, men. By the way, you ought to be thankful for a wife that wants to know God and walk with God. Be thankful for a wife that wants to learn the scriptures and that prays and that shares the gospel with others at, at their jobs or in their homes with their children or, or that share the gospel with their neighbors. Be thankful for a wife like that. Husbands are to recognize that our wives are in Christ and deserve to be honored for who they are, not what they do. You know, a lot of this culture today that wants to push feminism and say, oh, look, they, they, they can do sports just as much as men do. You know why they want to do that? Because in their mind, until you do something, then you're equal. I say a girl doesn't need to shoot a basketball to be equal with a guy. God doesn't hold them in that regard that way. God made us different. And I'm glad he made us different. God made the wife as that help meet in a home, in a relationship. Living in a culture that wants to honor women for only what they do is terrible. It's unbiblical. Peter says you had to honor them because they're co-heirs with you. Because they're a child of God just as much as you're a child of God. In other words, recognize who they are in Christ and honor them as you ought to. Let me give you the last thing and we'll be done this morning. And that is, husbands, we ought to lead spiritually in the home. Not only are we to understand, not only are we to honor but then we are to lead spiritually in the home. He, he says there at the end of verse number seven that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands are to lead in the area in the home, in the area of following after God and applying his word. Now, spirituality is a very broad term in today's world, right? I mean, if, if, if you just you know, believe in spirits, you're spiritual. You have, you know, a scented candle that blows in your, in your house. You ah, oh, I'm just, I'm in touch with the spiritual world. We live in a world that's really hard to define what spirituality is. And even in the Christian realm, we want to call everything spirituality, right? You know, oh man, he wore a tie to come to church. He must be spiritual. Is that really spiritual? We, we, we want to attach spirituality to, to, to everything. But really, what is Spirituality. When, 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 when Peter is writing this, that your prayers not be hindered, what, what is he really talking about? What, what is it that he's focusing on? What is it that husbands ought to do and focus on when it comes to spirituality? Well, number one, a spiritual person is someone that lives for God's kingdom. Look at Colossians chapter 3. It's in your notes. Verse 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you're saved, 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So a spiritual person is one that is seeking the kingdom of God. Husbands, when you're leading your home, you ought to be that, that leader in the home that is thinking about God's kingdom, that is living for God's kingdom, that is investing and serving in the kingdom of God. To be spiritually minded is to think upon and live for things that are heavenly and not earthly. To live for eternal realities and not temporal ones. Husbands, you ought to be the first one to say on Sunday morning, hey, let's get ready for church. You ought to be the, the excited one. If you play songs in the morning, that's what we do in our home. You're going to play songs like the goodness of God, or if you're going to play songs like thank you, Jesus, you be the one to go and start that. Husbands, there ought to be an excitement in you to wanting to be at the house of God. The one that, that hears, hey, there's a work day. Hey, I'm going to be there. If I'm not working that day, I'm going to be there at church. Husbands, as a leader, spiritually in your home, you, you ought to be able to say, listen, I, I want to serve God with my life. And if I'm able to, my, my job allows me to, I, I want to be an usher. I want to be a teacher. I, I want to be the one that's cutting the yard. I, I want to do something for God. I'd be the one that says, you know, honey, God blessed me this week with my job and a paycheck we're going to give. It always amazes me how many men there are out there that give a lot of their paycheck to the Dallas Cowboys or to Samsung. Or to Ford. There are a lot of men in today's world that will lead in those areas, but what about the kingdom of God? Where are the men like Joshua that will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? You know, before Joshua said that, he says, to the people, you choose whom you want to serve. God brought us into this promised land. God has blessed us and given us victory after victory after victory. But you know what? At the end of the day, you choose. And as the leader of his home, Joshua said, but me and my house. He was very clear about that. A spiritually minded man lives for God's kingdom. But secondly, he prays for God's power. In fact, Peter keys in on that, that your prayers be not hindered. As husbands, we ought to be the prayer leaders and the prayer warriors in our home. We shouldn't be negligent in this area. We shouldn't allow ourselves to take it so lightly. You ought to be the one that's asking God, God, would you bless my wife? Would you be with her? God, will you be with our children? Would you protect them? Would you help them to learn and to live for you, to love you? 
God, would you be with our home? God, would you be with our health? God, would you be with our church? God, would you empower me at work today? You know, the Bible says that we are to ask. Ask and ye shall receive. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Your husband today, it feels like all these doors are closing on you in life. Maybe it's because you're not taking time in prayer. Maybe your prayers are being hindered because you're not leading in your home. That's why Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, say, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the Peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Husbands, we must take ownership of our home and be leaders. Now, can I say that this does not mean that your wife cannot pray at the dinner table? She can pray. Does it mean she can't lead a devotional every once in a while in your home? I think she can. I think she ought to. But if the only one in your home that has a desire to serve God and live for God is your wife, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your heart. Something wrong with your priorities. There's something wrong with what you're living for. It doesn't matter today if you're 20 years old and married or if you're 80 years old and married. You've got to be the leader. We're not to be negligent about our responsibilities. Why? Because when we don't live right, it hinders. It hinders God's power. It hinders God from receiving the glory because that's what we're talking about today. I'm not talking about five rules to better your life. I'm not talking about the ten things that will make you wealthier in life. I'm talking about a home that will bring God glory. Talking about a home that allows others to see the hope that is there. Can I say, if you don't value that over 10 ways to get wealthier, then your priorities are really off. That's a good sign that you're living for the temporal realities and not the eternal. Time's getting away. This, this morning, the challenge is simple. Husbands, we need to lead our homes. Lead our homes. Lead by understanding our wives. This begins with knowing God's word. Let, let me ask you something, husbands. What are you going to do this week that is helping you to know God's word more? Secondly, communicating. As you think about what you're doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, do you have any time between now and next Saturday that you already know this is when me and my wife can talk? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've got little ones. I know. And they want to yap all the time. Listen, if you have to, put them in bed at 530. I don't know. 
whatever. Sometimes there are marriages that the kids rule the calendar and they ought not to. Take time, husband, with your wife to communicate. We must lead by understanding. We must lead by honoring. Value your wife. Recognize who she is in Christ. And then we've got to lead by being the spiritual leader. That means my priorities need to reflect God's kingdom, not my kingdom. That means I need to pray and ask God to empower me to show his power through our home. So husbands, how are you doing this morning? Are you building a home that brings God's glory? You know, our world is suffering from homes that are not being led by husbands. It really is. Man, there's such a huge difference between a society where the husband's in the home are leading by understanding and honoring and being spiritually minded. It's a huge difference. There's a difference because you find joy in those homes. And it's really not material wealth joy. Some of them have less than many of us but they have joy. It brings peace in their marriage. It creates the word divorce to be something foreign. Like, what is that? When you're leading your home right, yeah. That word doesn't even, didn't even come into the vocabulary. Hmm. But all that starts with you, husband. I want to challenge you, lead Lead your home as you ought to. So that others, as Peter says, others may see and glorify God by the way we're living and the homes we're building. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, thank you for the challenge this morning. Though I know it was somewhat directed at us as husbands and leaders in the home, Father, there is so much for everyone yet. Father, I believe that we all could have more of your word in our life. I pray that those that are not husbands here this morning would at least be challenged by that. To be understanding. And to value what you value. We'd be challenged to desire your peace, your joy in our homes. Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us now this morning. As the piano plays, perhaps you hear this morning and you're saying, Pastor, that's, that's what I want to be as a husband. That's the kind of home I want to have, a home that is understanding and honoring home that is spiritually minded. I, I, I want my family to display God's power and God's glory to our community, to our neighbors, to my co-workers, 
Pastor, would you pray for me that I might be that kind of husband? Is there a husband like that? Just say, pray for me, Pastor. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not a husband, but there's some areas that you touched on that that I want to I want to have in our home. I, I want to have more of God's word and and honestly, I, I, I want to be more spiritually minded as a family. Would you just pray for me that I might be a helpmeet for my husband in that and, and that I, I can help building this home to, to glorify God? Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Maybe a wife or someone? God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Father, this morning, you saw our hands, but you also saw our hearts. So, Father, I ask that as we build our home this week, that this week we can begin to make those decisions that bring you glory and honor. I pray that as men, as leaders in our home, as husbands, we would lead as you called us to lead, that we put into practice what Peter says. Father, that we might see the difference that you can make. Be with us, I pray, as we apply your truth into our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.